Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I can't believe it. Wait, yes I can. We record a podcast and news break shortly after that. Welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Bendel and joining me is Josh Houts. And Josh, the Dolphins have discovered, more like we have discovered, who the next offensive coordinators are going to be for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but before we get into that, I mean, where are my manners? How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing great, man. I mean, well, as good as you can be. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got about two feet of snow dumped on me. I just went out there and tried to make a little Elsa house for uh, my girls. But, dude, I'm so excited. I can't believe we're having this breaking news podcast. Breaking news here to talk about they're finally making a college football game again, Jake. How about that, Josh? I mean, I got to be honest. I've never been a huge, huge fan of them because I don't follow college football as much, but I understand it. Throw the tomatoes, waka, waka, waka. (laughs) I'll take all the hate. I'll take all the shade. I I accept that. I mean, it's interesting. I just hope, you know, uh, with these games like the Maddens and the NBAs, the the shows coming to Xbox, uh, this was a quick right turn we're taking here, but but I'm cool to kind of talk about this for a minute because I'm so... For all these different sports games, I just wish there were competitors, whether they switch up the game a little bit. You know, everyone remembers NFL Street, NFL Blitz. These type of games give uh, Maddens and 2Ks a different feel because you could kind of do different things. And everything felt fresh. You could go play like a Blitz where you're throwing, uh, you know, opponents through the air and, and you look like this jacked up monster type of thing. And then you go back and playing Madden and it seems a little more uh, calm, collective. Same with 2K, same with uh, hopefully this this football game and and you know at the end of the day competition creates greatness and that's what the dolphins are doing here at offensive coordinator yeah it does and you know we we don't blame anybody if they fast forward through that because we're just nerding out but i mean that was all the news yesterday was that the ncaa was coming out and right after that you know the dolphins dropped the bombshell about this co-offense coordinator thing and you know it was kind of something that we talked about i mean we heard no name avies coming out of nowhere with kafka we heard some people talking about harold goodwin we thought maybe this was going to be an audition, and we talked about a few times how it could be an audition at, at the Senior Bowl. He came right out, and he said, you know what, I don't want to lose Eric Studsville. I don't want to lose George Godsey. I'm going to make him co-coordinator, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold Brian Flores said so. And, you know, it kind of seems like it's the that-so-Dolphins way, but at the same time, when you look a little deeper into it, I mean, this is where everything was kind of headed. And it's just funny how this fan base is right now. They're kind of all up in arms about this signing or, you know, this promotion from within, and they're kind of bummed out. But I don't know about you, Jake, but I remember back then there was a little speculation on whether or not Chan Gailey should be fired or, or whether he'd even come back next season. This was too 
two, three weeks before the end of the season, and everyone was in line with George Godsey being promoted. Everyone kind of saw that being that next guy up because of what he did in that Arizona game, being that quarterback coach next to Tua. So it's just funny how things changed six weeks later, and now this is a terrible decision. You know, what's Brian Flores doing? But you look back, and it would have been awesome a few weeks ago to this fan base if they would have promoted George Godsey. And that, that's kind of the thing that's interesting and, and the thing we kind of preach a lot is is there's healthy conversation to be had. There's certainly doubts to be had, but to kind of, you know, panic uh, on February 2nd, we're recording this on February 3rd, seems a little bit strange. Uh, Josh, I want to ask you if this had anything to do with it. You know, I was up to the late, late hours of the night crunching the numbers here, and the national team scored 27 points in the senior bowl. Let me know, let me know if I'm going too fast for you. Let me know if this gets confusing. I'll slow it down. Studsville called the first half, and the team scored 13 points. Godsey called the second half, and the team scored 14 points. That seems pretty fair. I mean, we could get into the arguments of different players playing or, or whatever, but the question I'm trying to get out, Josh, is if, say, say you know, Studsville scored 20 points in the first half and Godsey scored seven in the second half, does that change a thing? I don't know if it does. I mean, I think he probably flipped a coin. He's like, if it lands on heads, I'm going to go with Godsey because Godsey, you know, kind of has that bald head like you would expect, you know, Washington to have it. Then if it landed on um, tails, it would be Studsville. And it just landed right down the middle. And he's like, all right, well, now I'm going to go this side. Now I'm going to go this co-coordinator route, and it made me wonder, and I saw that people were kind of linking how Alabama had co-offense coordinators and how it worked. I think C.K. Parrott was the first one to bring that up, and I mean, we've seen this with college teams. You know, we saw it at LSU, at Clemson. You know, you see that these bigger schools that, you know, have a lot of success, they do have these co-coordinators in place, and would it be crazy to think that that Tony Elliott interview with Clemson, you know, a guy who was with Clemson for many years was a co-coordinator? Is it crazy to think the interest there was to kind of find out how this whole thing works? Because we look at a guy like Studsville, and other people have alluded to it, and I'm not going to, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm not giving credit to the first person that says, but a lot of people have alluded to this. You know, Eric Studsville is a run guy. You know, George Godsey is that pass guy. Is one a run game coordinator, one a pass game coordinator? I mean, these are all questions that have yet to be asked, and we still don't know. As of today, who's going to be calling plays? So it's it's fascinating, but again, it's something that we have saw work at the college level, and now Brian Flores is, again, doing things his way, and he probably didn't want to lose Godsey again, and he didn't want to lose Studsville, and I looked it up, Jake, and I mean, Eric Studsville, he started out as a graduate assistant with Arizona in 1991. He became a video coordinator as a graduate assistant in the secondary at North Carolina in 1992. I mean, this guy's been around for almost 30 years in coaching, working his way up. He had some time as an interim head coach with the Denver Broncos. So, I mean, he's had some experience throughout this league. He's been around for 30 years. And then the same thing with Gazi. I mean, he had some time as a coordinator there with the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien. And then with the Dolphins. Yeah, uh uh-oh, it's right. Uh uh-oh. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't know if he was there at the same time. It might have been right before Deshaun Watson came in, but I don't know how much experience he has calling plays. But you're right, man. I mean, they went into this, and, you know, if it was truly an open audition, they made it very hard for Brian Flores. And, again, at the end of the day, we trust in Brian Flores, and we believe that he's going to get us to the right place. But I don't know about you, Jake, but throughout this entire process, I just kept going back to the year prior when I was thinking of the Joe Brady's and all these big, you know, prolific offensive up-and-comers, and they brought Chan Gailey back. So part of me just saw this as, you know what, okay, I'm going to trust in Brian Flores, and we'll see the way the, the chips fall. And I think the big thing for me, and, you know, everyone's a little confused about this. You mentioned why didn't they get someone different last year. Um, There's also the discussion of, hey, you know, nobody, I mean, you can go back and listen to our podcast. Nobody expected, you know, Chan Gailey to be the long-term guy here, right? So we're wondering, you know, where's this picture? What's going to be at the end of this tunnel? What are we trying to accomplish here? And, 
you know, we just kind of got to hope that that Brian Flores' vision is bigger than the, you know, picture we're seeing right here. Uh, right? The Dolphins did leak the news at 11.58 Tuesday morning. Um, and, you know, you do think it's going to be a 50-50 split, but then it gets into the discussions, you know, what if something goes wrong? What if there's some turmoil? What if one coach, you know, starts le- – what if someone starts leaking stuff? And, you know, we could get into that whole rabbit hole, but I think we should really kind of trust Brian Flores, at least for now on this. I know the track record. The Dolphins have switched up a lot of different coordinators and everything. And, you know, we preached that Bill Belichick for, you know, 20 years, he'd get rid of players, you know, before, like a year too early instead of a year too late. Maybe just what the Dolphins and Brian Flores have been looking for hasn't really been available yet. Maybe it's been waiting for these guys who understand uh, the game in a different way. They understand the offense the Dolphins need to run to be successful. Um, It kind of scared me a little bit when I see that this is an offense that's going to look a lot like Chan Gailey's offense. Uh, just because, you know, like I said in in the offensive coordinator discussions before they picked someone, I wanted something juicy. I wanted something new. I wanted something different. And Josh, you kind of think about what the Dolphins have done on the offensive side of the football in the last 10 years. All the different offensive coordinators. Every year, Ryan Tannehill had a different offensive coordinator. And I think the Dolphins are now going to have four in three years. And I just kind of hope something starts to stick because if you're getting that much, you know, turnover in the coaching staff, you can only imagine what that roster is looking about. Who's the last, you know, absolute stud the Dolphins have had on the offensive side of the football. We can look at Jarvis Landry. Great. Uh, I think he's an above average player, a very talented player, but someone who can just dominate a game. I mean, Brandon Marshall, I don't know, man, this team has really lacked those stars. And I think that's definitely, uh, you know, connected to that offensive coordinator or the offense in general. I agree, and I think someone said it best. And I mean, I think two is now going on what he now literally had three offense coordinators before even playing his second year in the NFL. So it's crazy to me, and you don't you have to wonder is Brian Flores going to take that same approach that he did with the quarterback position this year? And yes, it worked out in that Raiders game. Yes, it almost worked out against Denver. But you know, what if one guy's calling plays? Say Studsville's the play caller throughout the year, and you know he is off, and the offense isn't working. Is he then going to pull the play calling duties and hand them over to George Godsey? Like you said, creating a whole whirlwind of problems here. I mean, I don't know how it'll work out, but I do believe that they all see Brian Flores' vision, and I think they see the way this offense has to operate with Tua Tonovaloa at the helm. And, you know, you can't sit here and say, okay, Deshaun Watson's out of the picture because I don't think a guy like Deshaun Watson can ever be out of the picture. But I do think a lot of these things are kind of pointing towards Tua Tonovaloa being the quarterback and building around him, which, I mean, again, no one is going to sit there and argue that that's the wrong route to go. But uh, to sit here and see the way that this offense is going to come together with now two co-offense coordinators, to me, Jake, and this is the million-dollar question I want to throw out there, is the Charlie Fry signing arguably one of the biggest signings in Brian Flores' career? Because, yes, you said it's going to be a similar offense to what Chan Gailey did, but what big change has the, have the Dolphins made on the offensive side of the ball? Besides promoting Lemuel Jean-Pierre to offensive line coach, nice. it was bringing in Charlie Fry to be the quarterback's coach. And, yes, he has experience with Deshaun Watson, but he also had talked very highly of Tuatana Valoa, and a lot of people think he was brought in to bring a lot of those pre-snap elements that he had in college with Central Michigan's offense to Miami, like we saw when we talked about in previous podcasts, the way Devontae Smith created separation pre-snap in that national championship game, the way we saw Devontae Adams do it in the playoffs. I mean, this guy was brought in here to change and revolutionize this offense, and to me, I think this is going to go down as one of the biggest signings of the offseason if Tua Tonovaloa and this Dolphins offense goes to that next level like we expect. You know, Fry played five years in the NFL. This is his first NFL gig, and, you know, 
we can certainly connect the dots. I, I don't want to not say that. There's certainly, you know, you can make the, you can see the start of the vision, Charlie Fry becoming that guy. I don't want to fall too in love with members of their coaching staff just yet because at the end of the day, it truly is, you know, the players that go out and play. And, and Josh, I want to bring up a couple statistics here because, you know, I was doing a little reading at, at you know, Godsey, Studsville, Fry. These guys will help a Dolphins uh, team that scored 404 points, which is 15th in the NFL last year. And that doesn't sound too, too terrible until you look at, you know, that 22 ranked in, in total yards, that 23 yards, uh, 23rd, excuse me, in yards per play and averaged 25 points per game last year. I mean, you can win with those numbers. I mean, if you look at the Senior Bowl for, for the sake of this argument, if the Dolphins can average 27 points a game, that's you're in the playoffs. The Dolphins should have made the playoffs at 25.3 this year. And I, I think if they had team made the playoffs, we might be having completely different discussions this year. But, I mean, this team's close. And, and whether, you know, you you miss or you hit on the offensive coordinator, I think the talent is still going to be there, um, if that makes sense. And, and that's kind of what I think Brian Flores has been doing, you know, whether the offense. I mean, since Brian Flores has gotten here, every month, uh, you know, every year I won't go as dramatic as week by week, but I mean, this team has grown. This team has gotten better despite all those, you know, coordinator switches. Because I, I wonder if Flores is just taking the, you know, you're either going to float with us or you're going to sink, and and that's going to be really recognizable. I think that's really uh, what it's starting to boil down here. And you wonder if, uh, like you said, Fry might be groomed in the future. But at the end of the day, I think. Uh, we're, we might be panicking a little too, too much over offensive coordinators, uh, play callers. I think everybody is going to have a role. Uh, again, I think the top fear is, you know, somebody has a bad game and the other one starts leaking stuff or someone gets, I guess it all is just stuff being leaked. If someone has a bad game, somebody loses their play calling, somebody wanted to do something else and it was overruled. That, I guess, is probably my big fear and, and the, the biggest newsworthy uh, note about this whole thing. Yeah, and you, you just got to respect Brian Flores. Again, we trust his process. We trust the the vision that he has here in Miami. But, I mean, you see the overture on this roster. And, again, I mean, the offense put up decent points, you know, from what we've seen of Dolphin offenses in the past. I mean, Changeli, maybe I think he probably stepped down regardless because just how, you know, different the season was and probably what he expected. But, I mean, to just sit here and think how Brian Flores, you know, he preaches competition. He preaches that, you know, these players got to go out there and look themselves in the mirror and go out there and have their best performance. But my coaches have to do the same. And he has this vision for what this offense has to look like. And clearly, Changeli, you know, couldn't execute that. And he sees the way Godsey and Studsville, you know, get these guys in, in practice, you know, get the most out. And we see the tight ends, you know, they played pretty darn well. And we're not even going to talk about that that game in Arizona where Godsey became the quarterback coach because a lot of people, for some reason, Jake, think that he called plays in that game. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was just the quarterback coach. He was not yeah. calling plays. He was just next to Tuatonga Valoa. Changeli was still calling plays. But, you know, in that game, Tuatonga Valoa just looked different. And, I mean, that's kind of what you hoped George Godsey can get out of him. And then with the running backs, I mean, we're sitting here and we're talking about Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed and just Studsville being retained, you know, one regime after the next I mean he's put in his time as I've said uh, I think I'm in wait and see approach I'm just going to let everything play out but I think ultimately it's going to come down ride or die with Tuatana Valoa and again I think Charlie Fry that signing you know might not be looked at from the outside as you know this huge thing but I think it's ultimately going to pay big dividends for this offense moving forward I think we talked a lot about the offense coordinator position Jake uh, let's take a moment to hear from our ads we'll jump into some of the other Dolphin news right after the break Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, 
your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Jake, we've talked about who the Miami Dolphins' next co-offense coordinators will be. Now we got to talk about the NFL draft and that polarizing prospect, Devontae Smith. He had an Ask Me Anything today. I believe it was on Reddit. He came out and he said the best corner that he ever faced in college was Noah Igbenogany. So that is huge news. And he also went on, Jake, to he was asked if he could see himself reuniting with Tua Tonvaloa in Miami, and he was all for that. So, Jake, tell me what you think about both those things, because, you know, we've already heard how he wants to come here and play with Tua Tonvaloa. That's not really a surprise, but to hear that, you know, one of the, I mean, let's be honest, he had one of the greatest, if not the greatest season of a wide receiver in college football history, for him to come out there and say the best corner that he went one-on-one with was Noah Igbenogany, I mean, that's huge to me. Tell me what you think, Jake. You know, I, I don't think a player is ever going to say, nah, I don't want to be drafted third overall, um, especially, you know, it just seems like, you know, I'm glad he's coming out and saying he'd like to play for the Dolphins, but that isn't too too much of a surprise. Uh, the Noah Igbenogany note, that is awesome. I mean, we heard about Igbenogany coming out of college, the, the speed, the physicality, and, you know, you need time to translate that to the NFL level for him to get that, you know, reassurance from Smith should be nothing but a confidence boost. I don't even know if he's actually going to find this quote or hear about this quote. But, I mean, we, we preached about it throughout the year. We all just, you know, he's a bust, that that game against uh, Stephon Diggs from the Buffalo Bills. But, I mean, cornerbacks take time to develop in the NFL one way or another. I mean, and a lot of the time you don't really need – it's just all about timing. It's about finding your feel. And I'm not, you know, panicked about Igbenogany's future with the Dolphins. I, I'm trusting the process with him here. Uh, Sam Madison, another guy who really struggled early on. I believe that that duo, both of them, really struggled early on. So I mean, this is this is an interesting note. This is really a, a nice, you know, feather in the cap of Igbenogany, and, and it's nice to hear these things when when it's somebody we really didn't see too too much this year, and you know, it's overlooked a little bit because the Dolphins did have three first round picks. Yeah, and you continue to see it. I mean, it depends who you follow on Twitter, but C.K. Parrott and some of these other guys have kind of touched on. It. They showed Noah Igbenogany, you know, shutting down a Jamar Chase, shutting down these different high prospects that we're going to see, you know, translate to the NFL this year. So it's definitely a high praise. And yes, you're right. He could have sat there and no one's going to sit there and say, no, I don't want to be drafted third overall. No, I don't want to be reunited with a guy, you know, who I'm very close with. So it's kind of just a cliche answer that we're going to hear from Devontae Smith moving forward. But again, to to have any corner that he lined up against, you know, over his college career, to hear him say Noah Igbenogany was the toughest. I mean, that to me, uh, you know, not only speaks volumes about Noah Igbenogany, again, a guy who we were all down with, down on who is I, I mean I have to look it up I think he's the youngest player in the NFL he just became old enough to drink a beer I mean to hear that he's getting that high praise I mean that makes me want to go back and see this one-on-one matchup and you know I might I might just have to go back there and make a video of that man but th- that's high praise and that's not a headline I expected to see today Jake I don't know about you yeah you're 100 percent right and it's just kind of nice to see and Josh we're really getting into the doomsday clock you know if you will about the NFL draft whether it's what the Dolphins are going to do with three I mean we're going to learn a lot by draft day about the vision of the team, the guys they are going to pick, the biggest weaknesses they see. I mean, free agency is another situation like that. But, I mean, another aspect, too, is I don't think Deshaun Watson is getting traded after the draft. I think that's when he will sit out a year if the draft goes by and he is not moved. So I think that's going to be interesting in itself, whether it's with the Dolphins or not. 
I think that there, there's going to be a lot of drama, a lot of moving pieces in the next uh, upcoming weeks. And I think we're going to start hearing a lot of leaked info start us coming out of each and every channel we can you know, possibly put our ear up to. Yeah, and you always got to remember, I mean, we can't stress it enough. Always look at the source. I mean, it's going to be a wild ride, and we're going to continue to hear the Dolphins link, link to some of these these different rumors, and especially to Sean Watson. But at the end of the day, I mean, Brian Flores has run a pretty tight ship, and some of the things really haven't been getting out as much as they have with some of these previous regimes. But it's an exciting time to be a fan of football and an exciting time to be a fan of the Dolphins because we can't stress it enough. I mean, we just had a pretty damn good season. Probably should have been in the playoffs. You know, how they would have played is a whole other story. But now we're heading into another offseason where after we just sat here and revamped this defense and did those things and saw the progression from one year to year two, I mean, now they're focused on the offense and bringing in all these skilled players and, you know, bringing in those weapons for Tua. And we now know who our offense coordinators are. We now know the way, you know, this offense should look. And, uh, you know, now it's time to put all the pieces together and you and I are excited for this ride, I and mean, we're going to be here every step of the way. Uh, Jake, I don't know. Right now it's Wednesday. You know we're recording this. I don't know if we'll do another podcast between now and then the Super Bowl, and maybe we will, so so shame on me. But I think we got to at least give a prediction here, right? I mean, this isn't the same as previous years. We see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. No one's really upset, you know. I'm not angry to see Tom Brady's face on TV. I still want to punch it. But, you know, you're not angry to still see Tom Brady on TV but, Jake, give me your prediction, man. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs, Tom Brady, and, and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who do you got this week? I read a quote that said that Tom Brady had 12 days to prepare for this game. His family's not around, and that absolutely horrifies me. Yeah, I have to agree that, especially living in the Northeast, seeing Brady outside of a Patriots uniform is a little better. With that being said, I don't think I would like to see him win another Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is very likable. Andy Reid said he had a double cheeseburger waiting for him if he wins the Super Bowl. Nobody deserves a double cheeseburger more than Andy Reid, so I hope he gets that. I'm going to just say the Chiefs are going to win. I'm going to say it's probably going to be a little shaky, especially with their offensive line issues. Uh, they got guys injured. They got guys on the COVID list. That Tampa Bay defense, it's kind of a coin flip. You know, as we mentioned earlier, every week something can change. They could be dominant next week, and then the next week have uh, no idea what they're going. But I want to say, like, a Chiefs 34-31, to 31, I think it'll be a really volatile game, I think inconsistency is going to be the best way to explain it. I think it's whoever kind of pulls out those bigger plays. And as we saw against the Dolphins, I think the Chiefs, I mean, they they, they uh, can pull off big plays left and right like it's it's their job. I mean, I guess, I guess it is their job. It, it is their job. And, I mean, it is. It's exciting <laughs> because I, I do think, you know, all I care about is that this is just going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, we don't really Absolutely. have a pony in the race. I mean, maybe you're going to make bets. I might because I'm with you, man. I think the Kansas City Chiefs will inevitably win this game. But um, in the end, I just want to see a tough game. And, I mean, it kind of sucks because there are times when I'm watching these games, you know, the Chiefs pull ahead and you're like, whoa, whoa. And you want to see Tampa almost get back into the game because you don't want to see a route. I mean, we just mm -hmm. want to see that Super Bowl moment that we're going to remember forever. So uh, I think you said, what, 31-27 or something like that? 34-31. 34-31. Okay, I'll go 41-30. I don't know what how they're going to get there. Please don't do the math. But I think uh, that, that'll be it. And I think Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. And it just goes back to what we continue to say. I mean, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa, whether they make the trade for Deshaun Watson, it does not matter who the Miami Dolphins quarterback is. They have to beat Patrick freaking Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs for the next decade to get to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, there, there's that. And then, you know, if that's if they get out of the AFC East, which has Josh Allen. So... I'm uh, sorry to rain on everybody's parade, but um, I, I had no choice. <laughs> you, you don't even know. Maybe the Jets trade for Watson. 
Maybe the Bills regressed to 9-7 and seven last year, which I don't think would be the craziest thing in the world. They really uh, captured lightning in a bottle this year. Hey, but Josh, I entered today pretty hungry, and some thin sliders did just the trick to really, really crave, or, uh, curb my appetite here. So thank you for joining on with me, and thank you guys for listening. Of course, like I said, news always breaks right after we record our podcast. So odds are we'll probably do another one this week because more news is going to break, but if not, We'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. It is the final, final game of the 2020-2021 season. Soak it in. Enjoy it because while warmer weather is coming, that means football uh, is on the back burner for a little while. If you enjoyed what you listened to, be sure to smash that subscribe button so you know exactly when a new episode of Finsider Radio or maybe a couple of Finsiders hits the stream. Follow Josh on Twitter. If you're going to do one thing after listening to the show, hit Josh on Twitter. He provides so much different uh, types of Dolphins content. He mentions making a video of between Noeg Benogany and Devontae Smith. You never know what you're going to get from him, but it's always some good Dolphins content. You can find him at H-O-U-T-Z for Houts. Hey, Josh, I'm back to being a sports reporter. You're going to see me tweeting about some girls' basketball tonight. Let's go. So that That's should awesome. be a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins